This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Uh, good evening everybody and welcome to Charlton Live sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen Bedroom and bathroom installation. My name is Louis Mendes. This is the big match preview as we gear up for Saturday's home game uh, with the league leaders Portsmouth uh, at the Valley. Joining me to look ahead to the clash with Pompey. First up, top right, Tom Wallin. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, all good. <clears throat> Not very often these days we have a guaranteed three points, is it? So, uh, yeah, looking forward to this weekend. It's, it's come at a perfect time for us, if we're being honest. After, so. after, after 15 games without three points, it will feel really nice at five o'clock on, on Saturday when we do have those three points. Uh, in the bag, which we're all looking forward to, including Lewis Cat down there at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. It's going to be a big game, isn't it? I think it's. Uh, I feel really confident, which is weird, um, and I don't. I don't know why, but I'm here for it. It makes a change, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I uh, don't feel confident, but you know, that's just just life, isn't it? As, as someone pointed out on the forum, like over all these years that we've gone into these games with Portsmouth and you know got good results, and we always seem to be their bogey side. At no point other than this time have we gone into the game thirty nine points behind them, which is a slight slight difference to what we're used to, isn't it? I, I mentioned on the PO forecast last night that. There'd be seasons in the Premier League where 39 points we'd be might probably be just about happy with. Uh, that's how far ahead of us they are. So um, we'll look ahead to the game with Portsmouth on today. So we'll, we'll, we'll hear a lot from Nathan Jones. We're going to hear uh, his thoughts on how his uh, life has started uh, at the Valley um, in, in terms of being child manager. We'll talk a little bit about the points required, uh, we think, to stay up and also analyse the runnings that all the sides in the bottom half of the table have done. I put a couple of tweets out yesterday about how difficult Cambridge running appears to be on paper, especially now they've lost their uh, manager who's made sort of a, a downward step to, to Millwall. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll look at all the different sides in and around the bottom half, how difficult their running appears on paper, see if that can give us any clue as to where uh, we might finish. Um, we've got a Portsmouth guest uh, joining us. Freddie Webb from the PO forecast is going to join us uh, later on uh, on the show to let us know all about Pompey and their fantastic uh, season. Then, of course, we'll hear from Nathan Jones once more to look ahead to the game with Pompey. Uh, we'll hear an update uh, in the fitness. We want to hear from everyone in the chat as well. Good evening to all of you joining us live, raising there. Johan, uh, David, Andrew, um, Bernie, Alan. There's a lot of people, Keith, Dudley, Rustos. Everyone worried about the story that's just come out about Patrick Casey from Pete O'Rourke, uh, suggesting that uh, the prolific forward who scored a lot of uh, goals obviously in the in the youth setup is uh, on the uh, 
potentially on the list of uh, Celtic and Brighton amongst other clubs keeping tabs on, on him. So yeah, a lot of people talking about that. We, we don't know if we go too much into that, but probably not a surprise considering how well he has done uh, over the last few years. I ain't got much more to add on that at this moment in time. But um, let's hear, I think, first of all, uh, from Nathan Jones. He's been with us now for a couple of weeks. He's had three games, uh, two draws, and obviously that defeat on the opening day uh, under him against Reading. Uh, Terry spoke to him during a press conference today to ask him his thoughts. Uh, on his uh, start to life at the Valley. Three games in and almost three weeks since it took over. Obviously, it's, um, it's only a short time, but performances game on game have improved. Uh, you might not have got the win you were after, obviously, but um, would you say you got the reaction from the players that you also said you were after? Oh, absolutely, and on a day-to-day basis, you know, I can see that they're they're a real, real good, honest group. It's been a group that's short on confidence and and stuff. But you know, it it, it I would expect, you know, if if I'm doing my job in any in any to any level, that performances will improve week in week out, and your oppositions differ. So you know, you have tougher opposition sometimes than others. But in terms of the structure and what we do, yeah, well, look, we've we've seen a big difference, and and players have been excellent, bought into everything. They work so hard. There's an honesty. And if you've got honesty, then you've, you've got a real chance. One thing you have done is you've lost your squad uh, since you've been here, bringing in players to, to the starting eleven or perhaps on the periphery before, uh, and resting players who fans at least might think should be first names on the team sheet. Um, does that reflect the, the rigours of the fixture list, or is it more a case of just picking players that are in form and, and uh, impress you in training? It's a bit of everything, really. But um, look, we pick a side to win a game, and you, you, you won't just pick the same 11 week in week out I'm finding out a lot about the players and what I can demand from them and how I can play with certain players and and that's all we can do but it's you know we've it's it's a big squad so it's you know it's it's too big we'll we'll cut this down in you know in 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 the coming sort of months and 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 moving forward because what we want to do is, is streamline have a real competitive squad that's hungry that's talented at the minute it's slightly too big in terms of numbers but in terms of me finding out about everyone, that's that's one of the first things. And then tactically, we have to put a side out there that can that can perform and and play. Now, you know, some people are coming back from injury and can't can't play that. Some people pick up certain things. So I pick a team on with with as much information as I can. I don't I don't rotate. I'm not a tinker one. I'd rather if I could play eleven players and make the same substitutions and win every game, then be brilliant. But that don't happen. There you go. That's Nathan Jones speaking to Terry in the press day earlier on. We'll hear more from Nathan uh, later on in the show. Um, what have you made to his start then with us, Tom? Uh, the Reading game, obviously a very disappointing defeat. Even the Lincoln game where we came back for a one-all draw, it took us a while to grow into it. And then a lot of people are hoping that the Bolton performance is a sign of things to come. I mean, did you get the impression that you're seeing a manager who's getting his message across to the team um, you know, given the display up at the uh, the Tough Sheet Stadium. Yeah, I think uh, it, to me it's felt like exactly what, what Terry sort of indicated there, improvements game on game. Only slight, as he said, but improvements nonetheless. And I said it on last Thursday's show about the, the standard of players we've got in this squad. And I think they need a lot of coaching and they need a lot of help. Uh, and so I think expectation wise there's probably only so much he's capable of doing you know you you stick somebody like a a Pep Guardiola into this team and I'd be amazed to see what what he could do in terms of turning these players around from the run they've been on so I didn't think he was going to come in and win games overnight particularly coming into as tough a run as he has but I have seen signs I think the 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 Reading game aside I, I think there were 
positives in that home game against Lincoln and just generally in terms of the fact, the feel-good factor around the club, the fact that we managed to get back into the game, the fact probably we were the better side towards the end, the fact we didn't look like conceding last minute, all very, very strong. Uh, and then away against probably the best footballing side we've seen in this division for, what, two, three years now? Uh, a place that I know we got a goal or two last year when we were up there, but lost ultimately. Uh, and a team that have beaten us pretty handedly, you know, recently in 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 other games, to potentially come away from that game with a victory and maybe feel disappointed that we only drew that game. I think again is is very positive. So yes, lots of positive signs in terms of what he's bringing to the club, but ultimately it comes down to needing to win games, right? Uh, and so that's that's kind of the the one thing missing from this mini three four game CV that he's got with us so far. I feel like once that starts again, I think that will continue to build. Whether that comes this weekend or not remains to be seen. But as the fixtures get easier on paper in that we're playing teams around us, so it's a different type of opposition, uh, I do think those wins will come. I wouldn't have probably said the same under Appleton. So, yeah, that gives me a bit of confidence. Mm, yeah, I mean, uh, all hell let loose says, uh, performance, Nathan said the performances will improve if I'm doing my job to any level. He sees that as a dagger in Michael Appleton's back. He also asked me if I had a tough sheet on uh, Saturday up at Bolton. Um, they, they did give us curry for lunch, which was very nice, but I won't go any further uh, than that. I mean, Michael says Bolton uh, game, although a draw was a massive step in the right direction, next step is a win, but with the opposition in the next two, might not be yet. I mean, th th there's that balance to find between obviously making those steps in the right direction and getting those wins. That's clear. I think even Nathan, Nathan said that himself, Lewis. But I mean, did you see enough on, on Saturday against Bolton to suggest that he has finally got his message across in the, in these early stages. I think as, as the comment said there, really, it felt like Saturday was a massive step in the right direction. Um, obviously it's a, it's not the easiest place to go. And as Tom said, they're, they're up there with some of the best opposition in this league and have been, you know, consistently for the last three or four seasons. And we don't have the best of records. And I think going into that with the run of results we've been on, you know, Nathan Jones hasn't been in the building for that long. He'd had that game at Reading and then had a quick reaction at, at Lincoln. I was more disappointed we didn't get anything out of that game uh, than anything. I thought that was where we would kick on. But going into Bolton, I, I wasn't overly confident. I don't think any of us were. So to go up there, it's frustrating to not come away with a win, especially when we've scored three goals at one of the you know one of the most defensively sound sides in the in the division, if not the most defensively sound. It's all progress, and it, you know it's frustrating that it's it's not a win yet. Because I feel like some of our some spells in games, especially, have have been deserving of that. Um, but we're obviously in a really difficult run at the moment, playing some some of the best sides in the in the division. I think being at home on Saturday and and given our sort of record against Portsmouth and and what that carries, maybe it's a good opportunity to to get a bit of a scalp on on, on Saturday and get a win against a, a side battling for promotion that maybe isn't expected. But, you know, none of the games are easy, really. I don't think in any, in the form that we're in, it doesn't matter if we've been play, if we're playing Bolton or we're playing Burton Albion, you know, it, we've, we've not beaten either. So the most important thing that I've seen so far from Nathan is, is that the performances have been better. That is the most important thing at the moment. And then that will build on to the wins. I think it's obviously tough because of the opposition we're playing right now. 
but you've got to go into every game believing you can beat everybody. Otherwise, you're you're accepting defeat before you even walked out the tunnel. So I know that's something Nathan will push because he's that sort of character. He's got that, you know, that passion and that infectious nature where he'll make players run through brick walls for him. And that's something I haven't seen enough of from our team this season. So if he can get them doing that now for the remainder of this season, then we'll feel a lot more confident about staying up. But once we get that win, as as Tom says, it, it'll feel like that, that'll be when this really kicks on. And hopefully we'll pull ourselves away from danger and we won't have a huge amount to worry about towards the back end of the season. Yeah, I mean, Bernie says, I enjoyed Brownie's analysis of how Nathan Jones has changed how we play. Uh, more physicality on the pitch, playing balls into channels, pressing high, uh, even against a, a top team like Bolton. Um, I mean, because uh, I think Chris, Chris said, obviously, in, in the chat, maybe maybe we can still look at uh, it says Portsmouth like Bolton before and Derby on Tuesday are free hits. It's the four to five games after that which are vital. So I mean, if we are looking at it with that mindset, you know, I guess anything therefore we get is considered a bonus. But I, I thought the way we played at Bolton on Saturday suggests there is a way to attack these games. Don't go in nervous. Don't go in thinking, oh, cool, the, the, these are a good side, even though it's a free hit. You know, if you, if you think it's a free hit, that means you expect them to get get the better of you. So I, I thought the way we played on Saturday, that, that actually hopefully indicated that we might not quite see these as just free hits where anything could happen. We'd actually go with that with, with a level of belief, Tom, on Saturday. Definitely. I saw that uh, that comment from Chris earlier and was going to raise it if you didn't, because I think, I think what Chris is saying is correct in as much as what you've said there. We look at these teams and we're not scared of them anymore. I don't think we should just go in and go, oh, well, if you know, we were going to lose anyway, so let's go kind of hell for leather and see what happens. But I do think we're looking at these teams and thinking we can get something from them. If we don't, it's probably what's expected. So that's where the free hit element comes in. I don't think anybody on paper, I wouldn't imagine, you know, the the bookies are looking at this and giving us much of a chance. But we, as you said, went into that Bolton game thinking there is a, a way to get through this team. And Nathan's brought that level of of tenacity to the team that they're not going to be scared of anybody, which again, I think maybe is what Chris was alluding to. And I think that's right. I think that's right. Look, if we were playing Portsmouth four or five games into the season, even with this exact same squad, I don't think we would be too worried, even if we'd maybe lost two or three of the first few games. But because of where we are in the season, even with the same squad, it, it's that it's that fear that's the problem because of the run we've been on. But if they can, a bit like, uh, who was it? I think it was Tiger Woods used to say, you hit your shot and you step out of the kind of an imaginary bubble around that shot and you just move on. If there is any way that Nathan Jones can gather this group of players and kind of make them forget any previous game and just focus on the other one, I think our squad is capable potentially of getting something out of this next game. I'm not saying our squad is as good as Portsmouth's, but I think that we've got the squad and that, especially at home to potentially nick something. So... It's a mentality thing. I think we've been saying that throughout the season and I think that's backed up by the fact that now we've got a coach who actually knows how to coach this team and is actually doing it. We're seeing some subtle changes, but there's still an awfully long way to go. And coming back to, I think, the first time we spoke after Nathan Jones took the job, his short-term goal is very, very obvious and that's just keep us up. So that's all we need to do at this stage and then we go from there. And uh, yeah, I think they're capable. I think they're capable and I think they can do it. But it's not easy. It's not easy, but he, he's making those little changes and they're, they're slowly they're slowly making a difference, I think, but I hope anyway. 
I love how you're channeling your inner Nigel Atkins with the Tiger Woods analogy there. He literally used that five or six times in Did the he? time he was with us. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's uh, all that Nathan will take from. Bodes Nigel well, Atkins. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Former Southampton manager as well, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rostel saying two-two draw Saturday. I can't see us winning yet, but confidence is building. I fear another. Uh, I feel another draw uh, could be the the outcome uh, from that game. Uh, James saying it's, it's a poor league. There are no uh, outstanding teams. Pompey are no great shakes. We should go out and give it uh, a, a real go. Um, yeah, and like we saw with Bolton, I mean, particularly a Bolton side that are missing a couple of players. Like They were there to be got at, perhaps more to, more than than we expected. And obviously part of that will be the way we, we attack the game. Uh, Harry says uh, it's all well uh, getting points against the top teams, but we have to be picking up points from the team teams around us uh, as well. Um Bob saying uh, nothing less than three points needed on Saturday. He's got nothing to fear. Uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, fingers crossed, Bob. Hope you um, hope everything goes well for you over the, the weekend. By the way, Bob, um, judging by your tweet earlier on uh, today, yeah. Um, attacking games like that with fear, Lewis, especially that because we're, we're at home against Portsmouth, and it feels silly to bring it up, but they see us as a bogey side, particularly at Fratton Park. But actually, our home record against them is not too bad either. Can that can that play a part in it? Can there be some of that mentality? getting into the back of their minds somehow? I think potentially, yeah. I mean, I spoke to a Pompey fan earlier um, for one of their shows today and and they're approaching this quite nervously. Um, their fan base are, are, are pretty nervous about playing us, which I've, I found really surprising because, you know, there's a bogey team and there's the gap that we have at the moment, which is it's quite a big jump. Um, but if, if that's their mentality, then we need to capitalise on that. You know, I think... It will benefit being the first Saturday home game under Nathan as well, because obviously we've had the Lincoln game, but Tuesday nights, you don't always get the same crowd as you do at a weekend. So, you know, hopefully it'll be a fairly busy valley, which means it will generate some some atmosphere and some noise. The fans will get behind Nathan. He's obviously very charismatic. He spends more time outside of his uh, technical area than, than in it. Um which will which will get the fans, you know, livened up as well, and and hopefully, you know, that sort of belief and, and stuff will push the boys over the line because it, it feels like maybe that the support's not not being not the support as such, but the connection between the players and the fans. Again, we had this last season where it, it felt like the relationship between the two was was pretty distant, and I and I'd say this season's probably worsened that. I think with Nathan, he's the sort of manager that will that will bring people back together, will give everyone a bit of a hug and, and get everyone back in and pulling in the same direction. That's where we're at our strongest when, when we have that. So the benefit for me is the fact that it is at home. Obviously, we've got a great record at Fratton Park and, and we went over there in November and, and put in a really good performance against them. And that was under Appleton. So, you know, bringing them to the Valley, Nathan Jones's first game uh, in SC7 on a Saturday, on you know, would be a little bit different, as I say. I think there's a, there's a, real, there's a real potential for it to be a real cracker of a game. Um, I think it'll be high scoring. One of the one of the comments earlier was saying a two all draw, and I think that wouldn't be too far away from where I think it would be. But ultimately, as you, as you say, we need to attack these games now because we're running out of time. Like we we can't really afford to be overly cautious. You know, we need to we need to be a little bit braver. We need, we need to have a little bit of belief that we can go and get a result because as soon as we start picking up the points, we pull ourselves away. It, it makes such a difference. The problem at the moment is I don't think we have that that confidence to go and do that. I think Bolton was a real start of that because the performance we put in there, that's the sort of places I say I'd expect us to crumble and expect us to fold. And I don't think we did. We led twice and it's frustrating we didn't come away with a win. If you'd have said that to me before, you know, last Friday night, that we that I'd be frustrated we didn't come away from Bolton with a win, I'd have bitten your hand off. So the fact that we've put that in shows that there's potential there. 
I think Portsmouth are a slightly weaker opposition than Bolton. So hopefully we can we can put in a similar performance and hopefully the fact that it is at home and with a crowd behind Nathan and the team, that will, you know, give it that little extra push to try and turn one point into three. Mm, right, Jim says the main ingredients we've been missing all season are confidence and organisation. If Nathan Jones can address these issues, uh, then we'll be fine uh, this season. So I thought it would be interesting to have a look at some of the runnings uh, that the sides around us have, trying to work out who's got the tougher fixtures. So before we have a look at that, let's have a listen to what Nathan says when he was asked uh, how many points he thought uh, would be required uh, to stay up in League One this season. We go six of those are at the valley. Do you put a points requirement in your head to that, or is it just a case of taking them one by one? No, we've 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 got to stop picking up wins. Is is what we do. We have got you know a tough tough run of fixtures for different for different reasons. We've got three away games, which is, seems crazy, and obviously playing Bolton, Pompey, and, and Derby, no one could envisage that they'd be the top three, for example. Well, you could, but um, that, that's nothing to do with that. But then three away fixtures on the spin, that's you know, that's tough. So, you know, we're, we're up against it in terms of, in terms of from an outside perspective. But these are games that we, we've got to take as many points as we can from. There you go. That's Nathan, uh, obviously not willing to put a number on the amount of points required. But I have... Had a guess. Um, now, excuse uh, for those of you joining us on YouTube. I, I have thrown together a bit of a, an Excel spreadsheet to try and give away um, what the runnings are, are looking like. So, first of all, just for the average points required to stay up, you're looking over the last ten years, completed seasons, you're looking at forty-seven point two uh, or forty-eight point seven. In between those two numbers, should just about keep you up. They're the the, the average finishes for twentieth and twenty-first. So somewhere in between those two over a course of the season would, would keep you up. We're currently um, not, obviously not there yet. We've still got 15 points to, to gain if we're going to get there. We're on 33 points. Uh, there's sides below us on 32 and 31. We've got two games in hand on us. Fleetwood and Carlisle, you could probably say, are out of this equation. But uh, there's teams above us. So Cambridge have got five points extra than us uh, on 38. But as you can see uh, on... Um, my ranking table i've decided that they possibly on paper have the most difficult running now that's before you take into account that they've also just lost their manager uh, as well um but you can see here so I, i've looked at the average position of all the sides that the teams around us have to face you can see that cambridge have to play uh, the most difficult teams on average they're, fin they're 11th in the table perhaps most importantly they've got to play six games against top eight sides which is here uh, to, in comparison with us, we've only got to play four games with top eight sides. Uh, the average position of side that we're going to face is 13th. Um, and perhaps most importantly as well, we've got eight, what I call six-pointers, games against other sides in the bottom half of the table that could also be sucked in. So we have got the best chance of keeping it in our own hands, Tom. How much of what I've just put on the screen is irrelevant and how much of it is important in your opinion? Uh, how much of it made sense to me? Very little, but it, it's definitely it's definitely important. I think we have to caveat all of it by saying, look, there's always there's always shocks, there's always surprises, and I think us being down where we are is generally a surprise overall this season. I keep seeing tweets from random fans who figure out that we're down there from teams from other divisions who are you know don't take an interest in League One. So there is that, but at the same time, I think look, I've got obviously got Cambridge mates from home who are very worried about their running who were saying to me the other day about how difficult their running looks and as you say they've now lost lost their manager as well so I think 
I haven't obviously delved into the detail in the same way you have, but just looking at our fixture list, I was aware of the amount of what you're calling six pointers that we had and thinking, okay, if we can get them clutch games and we can win those games, which I do think under Nathan Jones, we've got much more chance of doing by their very nature of being called six pointers. They're going to have massive, massive implications for what happens in that relegation scrap with Cambridge. Not only have they got less of them in that they're playing the bigger opposition, so one, they're obviously not going to have as much of an effect on the teams around them. But in addition to that, they're obviously playing teams who are of a high level. So, yeah, I think I think there are I think the the graph that you brought up with the list of the teams and, and what they're the teams that they're playing are probably is very relevant because largely it's saying what we all are, which is we've got a lot of fixtures that are potentially making it in our hands. And I suppose technically we're, we're not in the relegation zone now, right? So. Technically, it's in our hands now. We win all our games and, and we're fine. Is that going to happen? Probably not. But I do think we've got enough of in the running. Um, we've certainly got no excuse, put it that way. I don't think there's an excuse. I don't think we should be anywhere near there now, but we are. But I think when you look at our running compared to lots of the teams around us, there is no excuse for not steering clear of that now with the players we've got. So that's what Jones hopefully thinks as well. I don't think he'd have come in if he didn't. And it's how he instills that into the team, keeps them level-headed if and when we do start winning games and make sure that they don't think the job's done until mathematically we are safe. So um, I saw Chris mention Taylor and Bon as well. Apparently my Cambridge mate, you won't be shocked to hear, said Bon has been awful. But uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot of love for Taylor there in terms of him kind of galvanising the players around him. So he's being him, but Bon is being Bon as well. So... Yeah, Taylor against us is obviously, I mean, it's pretty much nailed on, isn't it? Unless we applaud him instead of boo him, and then that might confuse him. Whereas when he gets booed, he gets fired up. So maybe if we're really nice to him, he might might get confused or he might be banned. So Yeah, I'm yeah, just hoping, I'm just hoping he gets us. an extended ban for that That'd elbow nice, in midweek Yeah, for the rest yeah. of the season. It would be very, very useful. Te- technically, technically if, even if we were to win all of our remaining games... Uh, then if Port Vale and Cheltenham won all their remaining games, they would finish above us still because they've got more games to play than us. But that obviously that, that's fantasy talk. Um, yeah, so if you, I mean, if you look at our fixtures, so uh, we know two of our four games against the top eight are the next two. So we will still have that cushion of 11 games left once we got through of those. This this little group here of six pointers, the uh, Cheltenham away, Carlisle at home, Fleetwood uh, away, and then Wigan at home, you can just about say they're still they're still in it. I mean that that's massive. And then ex- Exeter away as well, if we can drag them back into it, um, yeah. And then Cam- Cambridge is three games from the end of the season. That's going to be remarkable. Wickham on the final day of the season again. You can just about say they're sort of they're they're, they're in the mix, aren't they? Really, but they're they've they've got a reasonable points gap above us. Um, yeah. So looking at Cambridge, so Cambridge is the side I've really eyed up because they're. Even though they're five points ahead of us, they've got a real tough running, including the next three are all against sides uh, in the top seven, as we can see there. So home to Peterborough and a bit of a derby game for them, away to Stevenage and away to Bolton. So it could look very different for them uh, in the next few weeks. Another one I thought that's worth pointing out is Port Vale. So they've still got two games here that need arranging. So they've got to play Peterborough away and Wickham at home, which they've got a slot somewhere in this fixture list. Um, so that's going to be more difficult, especially now that Wickham have just qualified for the uh, Johnson's Paint Trophy final, or whatever it's called. So there's going to be a little bit of movement there to try and get them in. So you can see some of these sides, Port Vale, as far as I'm concerned, have got the second most difficult run in, um, Lewis. So th- th- there is hope for us there. I-, I know most people will be saying, only worry about what we do. But 
I like to look at the other teams and see where they might slip up. Yeah, I think you have to when when you're in the position we are, and it is quite close down there. I think you have to have half an eye on what other people are doing. Um, the annoying thing for me as well is the, is the the games in hand, like because you always feel like you're you're making up ground, um, and then you see there's more games in hand. I mean, there were good results for us Tuesday night, wasn't there? I think it was it Cambridge lost, Vale lost as well, but Reading the Reading beat Vale, didn't they? So you're always sort of looking at everything around you and seeing how it works out obviously at the moment we're outside of it which is the most important thing like if the season finished tomorrow and we were we finished a point above it then that, that's happy days but as you say there's some there's some really tough runnings in there i mean I, ours is i didn't realize really how critical that that patch is in the middle where you after the the derby game you kind of northampton's kind of like a you know a, a middle one they're not involved in either end really they've had a good season coming up but those games after that, Cheltenham away, Carlisle at home, Fleetwood, Wig, like they are huge. I don't even realise how big they were until you put them on the screen. Um, there's a lot of work to be done, isn't there? But that, that sort of thing should play in our advantage. Like having that batch there, we're talking about how difficult this run is that we're on now to try and pick up points um, with that new manager coming in and, and trying to sort of get that new manager bounce that's the areas where we need to target to try and pick up as many points as possible. And, and because it's against the teams in and around us, that obviously maximises almost the the gap that we can create. Because if we're playing people near, you know, mid-table and at the top and the other teams below us are all winning, it, it keeps it as as hairy as it is now. So um, it, it's, it's massive, you know. I, I think, as you say, you do have to kind of have half an eye on what other people are doing because it is that tight down there. I'd probably discard Carlisle and Fleetwood. I mean, mm. sort of famous last words because they are until, quite... Until they both beat us. Exactly, yeah. But they're, they're cut adrift to us to an extent. But, you know, Cheltenham, um, a bit of spirit. Daryl Clark's in there. They, they, You know, he's a he's a good manager that gets teams fired up. Vale just got Darren Moore. Obviously, yet to see what he does because... They've, I think they've lost his, his first two games, but you know we we haven't won anything under Nathan yet, so it's similar position to us. Uh, and then those teams around us, Reading, you, you don't know how they're going to go. They've been on a great run recently, but will they burn out? You know, it's there's a lot to take into into yeah, consideration, and we, we could obviously only focus on what we can do and do our business, which is try and win as many of those games as possible, no, no matter where that opposition sits in the league. But we're always going to have half an eye on what everyone else is doing. But I think, as you say, the, the the benefit of playing the teams in and around us for the majority of those remaining games obviously adds that little bit of extra security if we go and win the game. But obviously the extra pressure if we don't win it. Mm, yeah, Harry says uh, Port Vale, Cambridge on the final day, as well as us and Wickham. That's going to be one hell uh, of a final day of the season. All hell let loose says I'm worried about Cheltenham. They could easily do what they did last season and stay up uh, on the last uh, day. Uh, and then as a dagger to my heart, Michael says games are not won on paper or spreadsheets, uh, as the famous saying goes. I, I wholly disagree with that, Michael, uh, although obviously you are correct. And uh, my spreadsheet will be utterly pointless in about two weeks time when everyone's moved and, uh, <laughs> and everyone's uh, defying uh, the form table. Right. Let's have a quick break. When we come back, we will turn our attention uh, to Saturday's home game. Uh, with Portsmouth. Thinking about a new kitchen or bathroom? Find professional, independent local installers with free home surveys, itemised quotes and protected payments, trading standards approved contracts and workmanship warranties. The British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom, Bathroom Installations accredits installers to ensure they are police checked, fully insured and experienced. Take the risk out of home improvement. Visit bikbbi.org.uk. 
Hello fellow addicts, I'm so excited to tell you all about our micropub, The River Owl House. The River Owl House is based in East Greenwich, it has six pub of the year awards, an ever-changing selection of amazing beer. It's owned by Chomp fans, walkable to the ground in just 20 minutes with buses ago direct to the Valley 2. If your matchday routine includes a drink with your friends, you must join your fellow addicts in the river. See you soon. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview now. We've got a massive game at the Valley on Saturday to look ahead to. It's the league leaders, Portsmouth who are coming to south-east London. They are top of the table. Uh, they've won six of their last seven games uh, in League One. Uh, they don't like playing us, though, so we are guaranteed uh, three points. And uh, coming now to tell us uh, why they are going to lose at the Valley on Saturday uh, is Freddie Webb uh, from the PO Forecast, uh, who joins us live on Charlton Live. Now, Freddie, how are you? Good to see you. Oh, I'm not so bad, thank you. Yeah, busy day, but... Uh... Yeah, we'll see if uh, the narrative holds uh, for the Pompey versus Charlton fixture. We'll see if that plays much of a part, eh? Yeah, and just to let you uh, in, in behind the curtain a little bit, me and Freddie have been discussing his appearance on the show over the last couple of days and joking, because he works for the local paper, joking that if there was a big fire or something in Portsmouth, he'd have to not come on. And, and there has been a big fire in Portsmouth today, but he's here anyway. So very good of you to join us, Freddie. Um, tell us about your season, first of all. Um, why has it gone right this time and why have you not fallen away like you, like you sometimes do? <clears throat> Tough question, but a lot has gone right for Pompey. To start with, had very good success from set pieces. That's where a lot of the goals came from. And a lot of the new faces that were brought in, a lot of the new signings integrated very well with the good players that we already had. There was an unbeaten run under John Massino near the end of the last season. We drew a lot of games, but there were some very good individual performances there. But this time it's just clicked tactically, which is very nice. We're a very strong defensive side. Yeah, there's a few individual errors here and there, but stability-wise, the back four is really good. And then from there, Pompey have been able to, in a lot of games, press high in the opposition final third, retain the ball, and then control the game through possession once the team has it. And from there, they're able to score goals from... Proper moments of individual quality, thankfully. A lot of good players to thank for that, especially in the summer window. And you mentioned falling away. Yeah, we did have like a mini blip. The club had a mini blip in December, January, where there were a couple of games where we fell away, drew one all against Fleetwood at home, and then an away defeat to Bristol Rovers, another draw against Exeter, their defeat to Cheltenham, and then a 3 0 defeat to Leighton Orient, who are flying now. There are a lot of issues, but thankfully, um, 
Richard Hughes, our sporting director, managed to find a few gems in January. Some of those players, Callum Lang, etc., came in and galvanized the side an awful lot. So we've gone over Pompey's little narrative thing of falling away at Christmas. Now we'll just have to see if we can get rid of the narrative thing of losing against Charlton or always dropping points against Charlton for various reasons. I think we kicked off that late in Orient good run, didn't we? Because we, we lost to them on Boxing Day and they've barely lost since, I think. But um, trying to look at positives for us, Freddie, obviously there is the hoodoo, but also we were looking at your your recent away fixtures. I'm not going to get too excited because you've won a lot of them, but you seem to have won the away games kind of only just, so little one nils as opposed to kind of smashing teams at home. Obviously, I haven't actually seen the game. So is there any comfort as Charlton fans we can take anything from that? Or the fact that you're still winning those games, is that giving you confidence that you're kind of just going to get yourself over the line, even when maybe you're not playing at your best or you're not blowing teams away? Yeah, there are a few tight 1-0 wins in there. Port Vale away and Fleetwood away were the main ones, where Pompey weren't really creating a lot of chances. And it was the sort of thing where it would be one moment of individual quality to bring Pompey to 1-0 and then they would shut up shop. Recently, that's changed slightly. Had some even better results. I mean, against Northampton being one of them, against Cambridge United. John Massino came out in the press and said that the side had got more of a cutting-edge sword to them, which has been very good. The 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 front three behind, I would assume Colby Bishop would start, but the front three behind him, let's say if it's Callum Lang, Paddy Lane, Abu Kamara, all of them are firing all at once. And that's led to Pompey scoring more goals. I think the the one thing that Charlton can get some crumb out, comfort out is if there's an injury to Pompey in this game, if like one of the midfielders go down or if one of the defenders go down, the depth is slowly getting worse because I think including youth player Josh Dockrell, we've got six season-ending injuries off the top of my head, which is Joe Morrell, Terry Devlin, Regan Paul, Alex Robertson, Tom McIntyre, who came in in January, and Josh Dockrell. So there are spots in this side where there's not a lot of depth. For example, we've only, at the moment, we've only got two fit centre midfielders, deep centre midfielders. So if Charlton are aggressive in this and put some tackles in and wear up Pompey, then yeah, Pompey will struggle later in the game, potentially, if uh, some subs have to come on. Hi, Freddie. I, I spoke to a Portsmouth uh, fan earlier on um, with Express FM, and he said that the fan base was, was quite nervous coming into this fixture because of the hoodoo, which I think we've we've said we find quite surprising given the distance between the two clubs at the moment. But going on to the rest of the season, obviously you touched on that Portsmouth have got a habit of falling away. Does it feel like this time this could be your year to finally sort of return to the championship? Because do you feel like you're a little bit of a different animal before where in other seasons you've, you've maybe fallen away at the last hurdle? What, what's the mood among the fan base about the... The remainder of the season and do they feel they can get it over the line this time the majority of fans think this is the best chance that pompey have of getting promoted in a long while but they don't want to speak it into existence or jinx themselves because yeah it's happened several times where pompey have been top of christmas then there's the blip in december january time the january window wouldn't be there reinforcements wouldn't come in to galvanize the squad and then for many reasons all cobbled together Pompey would drop off outside the playoffs and finish eighth or something on those lines it's happened to us it's happened to the club several times and with the hoodoo that's obviously down to a lot of narrative and previous games 
against Charlton. I've even made myself feel better by looking at the head-to-head from ages ago. And, I mean, after the two-all draw at Fran Park this season, two wins for Charlton last last season, then Charlton won at Fratton Park 2-1, and then the two-all draw, and then you have to go all the way, go all the way back to 2021, when the last time that Pompey beat Charlton, and that was at the Valley during the COVID season. So... Pompey fans have had to deal with a lot of the same thing happening over and over again. And I know it's a different side with a different manager in John Massino and different players, but it's hard to ignore that sometimes, really. Um, personally, I think if any side might get promoted for Pompey, it's this one. They've got a real character about them. At the beginning of the season, they are able to overturn a lot of negative, result- negative results into draws or wins. They're able to score in the last minute and Messino has properly galvanised them, really. I think that's one of the big takeaways from it. But then again, you know, anything can happen. I don't. I still look at the Charlton side, and on paper, they shouldn't be as bad as they are. But you guys obviously know them better than me and watch them week in, week out. So, yeah, I, I don't think it will be an easy game. And Charlton had to put in a good performance in their pre-all draw against Bolton, so that might be the change in something. And also your new manager's a scummer as well. So that's another bit of narrative thrown all the way in as well. So just to add that on top. I mean, you guys should love our new manager because he was terrible for Southampton. Um, <laughs> you, you, got, you were telling me last night about how um, how he, he had some nasty words for the Portsmouth fans when he was manager of Luton because one of their players got a serious injury, I think, down at your place and the fans were, I don't know, singing or something. I, I put into the chat a couple of questions uh, well, if anyone had any questions, Peter's just saying, so now Charlton have just started, particularly under Nathan, but um, to an extent all season, but more so now, uh, started to press a bit higher. Do Pompey try and play it out from the back? Are you the sort of side that can do that, that we can do to you what lots of teams have done to us over the season and nick the ball quite deep in your half and, and give away a goal? Yeah, Pompey like to play out from the back a fair few times. Um, I think of the Reading game. Our keeper, Will Norris, was got caught out a few times when Reading pressed really high. And then in the first 15 minutes, they were able to cause Pompey a lot of problems without scoring. So if Charlton wants to employ a high press, it would cause a lot of issues. But Pompey aren't one of those sides that would just play out from the back for the sake of it. So they'll start playing out from the back. But then if they come under a lot of pressure, then not Norris will be given the license to go for the long goal kicks to the flanks. So yeah, if Charlton are a pressing side, and if they turn the ball over in those scenarios, then they can cause Pompey some problems. But I think once Pompey's get it to the midfield, they're fine. I think they've got two excellent technical centre midfielders in Marlon Pack and Owen Moxon, who he bought from Carlisle. Both of them are fairly box-to-box. Both of them have a range of passing. So once the ball gets there, Pompey are pretty decent. One player who Chapman fans will recognise is Sean Raggett. Our tall centre-half. He, he, he's had a, a much better season than previous and he's played incredibly well. He's an archetypal League One centre-half in some ways. He's very much a mark, the main striker, clear everything with his head sort of player. His playing out from the back has improved, but I think you remember if he, he, he can't really deal with very, very fast wingers dribbling at him. I think you remember it's a last season at the Valley while I was there when Jesuit Raksaki or Corey Blackatello would always get the ball and dive at him. So that I wouldn't say that's a weakness in the defence, but if it, if Pompey if Charlton isolate Sean Raggett like that, then it can cause some issues. But overall, the defence has been pretty solid. 
Yeah, I mean, based on a, that, a bit adaptable. Johan said, "How happy are you that Corey's not playing for us anymore?" Which is um, yeah, showing based on, <laughs> on what you just said. Yeah, Chris says we've got no um, uh, no wingers uh, these days uh, for us. Um, Andrew's asking if you have your own chart for promotion. We probably don't even need one. Just look at the league table now. Um, finally, uh, a lot of people have been taking the mick out of uh, is it Marlon Pack because he keep, keeps getting sent off against us. Um, yeah, uh, the, the, the the curse that was mentioned by Lewis then. Do you genuinely think it's a real thing or is it a coincidence? I think it's, there are many reasons why Pompey dropped points against Charlton. I think that over the previous two seasons, aside from this one, under Danny Cowley, we, we had like the transition season where the team wasn't brilliant and a lot of that, some, and it was very hit and miss in the transfer market. So the squad was nowhere near as good as this one. And obviously Charlton were also better during those seasons. So those, those two things linked together. But think about that two-all draw this season. Pompey played really well, but it was, from memory, two individual errors at the back that just cost them. And it just so happens that it's happening against the same team over and over again. So I, th- I think it's coincidence. I try not to let narrative stuff affect me that much as a fan, but it, but it definitely affects others, I think. Yeah, and uh, Dan saying Pompey, one of the only teams to concede to Conor McGrandles, which is, uh, you, you shouldn't be allowed to be promoted for that. Chris says, uh, we have our curse against Millwall for Donkish years. It's a shame we can't swap those two sides, isn't it, Chris? Right, Freddie, uh, thanks for your time. I'll let you get back to uh, your fire. Um, cheers for, for joining us, and, and yeah, best of luck for the rest of the season. No worries, guys. Take care and enjoy the game on Saturday. Cheers, there we go. That's Freddie Webb from the PO Forecast. Uh, looking ahead to Saturday's game uh, with uh, Portsmouth from a Pompey point of view let's look ahead to it from a Charlton point of view Uh, let's hear once more from the Addicts boss Nathan Jones Uh, he starts with a bit of a fitness update on the squad ahead of Saturday Tariq Beckington couldn't play through through illness Um, and you mentioned that uh, Panish Kamara was also carrying a knock uh, before the last game how are they both are they both okay now yeah look Tariq Tariq was ill so he he, you know we cleared cleared him out of the place because regardless if he recovered quickly or not he could obviously contaminate others so we took precautions with that and then um uh, and then Panucci picked up a knock in training um, on the Thursday. He travelled with us, obviously played some part in the game, but but meant he could probably use a risk to start him. So so look, yeah, they're they're in better position than they were a week ago. Um, and as as is everyone, everyone's sort of gathering that little bit of momentum. We're demanding from them in in different ways, not anything better or than previous, but we demand from them in different ways. So that takes some time as well. In Kane Ramsey, of course, um, uh, you mentioned last week it might be slightly more serious than we first feared. Do we have an update on Kane? Yeah, Kane's Kane's a little bit longer. You know, Kane's going to be. Uh, he has a hamstring hamstring issue, a hamstring tendon issue, which again can be any time scale. So I won't put a time scale on it, but it's it's going to keep him out of of you know the foreseeable future in terms of our next sort of three to four games. Games against Portsmouth uh, that we have on, on Saturday usually bring goals uh, and a good crowd to the valley. Uh, could be a perfect environment to get that first three points in front of the home crowd. We would like that, and I said Portsmouth travel well. The fans are you know, an excellent fan base. They've uh, similar to Charlton. They've had tough, tough times in, in in recent years, but fan base has always been excellent in terms of how they've they've gone about stuff. And they're again um, a really well coached, real good side that's got good players, um, but. Look, we've we're really looking forward to the challenge. We're playing at home in front of our uh, our fans, so we we want to be as as aggressive, front-footed as we possibly can, and and then see if we can we can keep improving. 
Well, again, they're well coached. They've got people who can score goals. They've got a goal scorer that that scores regularly. Um, they're at the level. They've been used to the level for, for for a while now in terms of the players. So you look at players have been around for, for that level. You look at centre midfield people, Marlon Pack. You look at Sean Raggett, people like that that, that have been around. Ogilvy has been at Gillingham, was started at Tottenham, was at, and the players just know what they're doing at the level. So and again, managers come in and really really well. Um, they, they're very well coached. So it's going to be a really tough League One game, and we know that. But it's also going to be very tough for, for Portsmouth. There you go. That's Nathan Jones looking ahead to the home game uh, with Pompey on, on Saturday. I'm just starting with the, with the team news first there. Uh, a couple of people in the chat <laughs> laughing at uh, the terminology for, for getting Tyreek Backinson out of the building when he was sick. They just click, get rid of him, get, get him away from us before he contaminates anyone, uh, which did make me laugh as well. But obviously it was a sensible thing to do, Tom. Uh, Kane Ramsey, I feel like could be a big miss uh, for us. Um, again, Nathan, I mean, he says three to four games. You, you never really know with, with Nathan. I just think the way he discusses injuries, that he won't he won't give too much away, certainly, on how long someone's going to be out. But So let's suggest a minimum of three to four games for, for Kane, which is a shame because he looked quite good against uh, against Lincoln. Yeah, we obviously only saw that, that one game, or not even a full game with him. But in the little time I'd seen him, and certainly from the... Was it Harrogate he came from from the the what the opposition had said or sorry the the other teams had said about him a very good player and and yeah early in that stage I think we've spoken a lot or certainly I have about where I think uh, this side is lacking in terms of of Tenai and and Teo on either fullback position or wingback position and I thought he added something new so yeah big disappointment to lose him having said that we obviously went to Bolton without him and still managed to get a, a decent point. And obviously the story there was over on the other side for for that. So, yeah, it's um it's a shame. It's a shame for him and it's a shame for us because obviously it was only very, very small sample size in terms of that one game. But you, you thought like maybe there was something that he could do and he could maybe add to us in the back end of the season, whether that means Tenai just goes back there still or whether, as uh, somebody I've just seen, Andrew Roths just said about does a Simway come in? Um, we know that he's enjoyed playing the likes of, of Carnu, who uh, Carnu and Anderson, who I think we were surprised when Anderson came in. That was against Lincoln as well, wasn't it? And, and actually performed very well. So he's not afraid to blood these youngsters. So maybe we'll see that. But yeah, it's, it's a shame to lose him because I thought he'd perform well in that that sort of 60 or minutes or whatever he got against Lincoln. Yeah, we've had two people mention now. So Michael's uh, said, does the Pompey keeper... Uh, will Norris still go down faking injuries like he did at Fratton Park earlier in the season? It was so good to see him concede uh, after that. And we've just had an email as well from Ray saying, I see Norris is still in goal uh, for Pompey. We should be playing on that. So, I mean, if you remember, he was he was messing around in added time uh, down at Fratton Park, pretending to be injured, going down like he'd been shot when Alfie May went near him uh, and then conceding a goal at his near post. Exactly the sort of thing I thought was going to happen to Harry Eisted after he was doing that at Bolton on Saturday. But, you know, in front of the covered end, you've got to give him a bit. You know, he deserves it, Lewis. So try and play on that a little bit, certainly on Saturday. 100% old near post Norris. <laughs> it was uh, it was funny. But, um, yeah, we have to. That's that's where you, you can sometimes like get the edge on these games, isn't it? Just wind up people like that. Because if they are... If they are a player that that maybe bites a little bit too easy, which I think Norris was, um, it, it could play in our favour big time. But um, 
yeah, it was a, uh, it was entertaining. So you know, let's let's hope we can we can repeat it on on Saturday, wind them up a little bit more because uh, it's always it's just a good laugh, isn't it? That that sort of thing sometimes gets you through <laughs> seasons yeah. like this. Winding up oppo keepers is all we have to cheer about sometimes. Yeah, Daniel's saying I can't wait to give him a stick. And not, normally I'm sort of thinking, oh, you know, sometimes it might, you know, players don't really deserve it. But from what he did for that game, he absolutely deserved it. So it was so funny when it happened, all the nicknames and all that that came out. Um, we, obviously, we've got a, a, a quandary up top there, Tom. Um, it, you know, Alfie didn't start the last game. It was Carnu uh, and Ladapo started last week. Obviously, I'm not suggesting Anike is going to come in to start. So... Presumably, it'll be between those three for the two starting berths up top. Um, can you see any reason to change or who starts up top? I, I can't see Carney coming out. So for me, it's between Ladapo and, and May. Yeah, and I've seen a few people in the comments suggest Carney and May, and I know that didn't work for the first first half against Lincoln. But for me, I think Carney and May might work. May's had a, a little bit out of the firing line in terms of coming off against Lincoln and then, as you say, not starting against Bolton. And I think that's right. There's obviously a huge amount of pressure on him as our talisman, if you like. And I think we said it on last week's show, you know, he hasn't been hitting the heights, albeit possibly just down to lack of service. We're obviously against different opposition here, so there's there's no reason to suggest it won't work again. And I just think, you know, Ladapo came off the bench and scored that goal against Lincoln and looked great. Obviously performed well up at Bolton in terms of the draw. So, OK, there's there's arguments for both I've just got and I don't know if there's any science or theory behind it but I've just got a feeling that May May and Carnu would work in this game I don't know what it is about it it just feels right um and maybe that rotation works and then you've got Ladapo to come off the bench again like he did against Lincoln and obviously the Chucks factor if we're uh if we're behind which obviously we won't be because we're going to win the game comfortably but good to have those options and considering we haven't got Lieburn and haven't had him for a long time I think to be talking about that rotation and having those options up front is is good and again going back to your wider point about the running you know it's just about keeping those four fit now as much as we can mm, yeah and I mean so it says a lot about how well Dan's done over the last few weeks that we we've all just considered him right you're starting who's starting alongside you so well done to Dan for that, Anthony saying it's got to be Carnu and May uh, for me. And Ian said, you know, talk about that running Bolton, Blackpool, Stevenage, Portsmouth, Barnsley. We didn't lose at their grounds and they're all top seven sides to roll on Derby uh, on Tuesday as well. Anthony said, I'm not sure about Romani at Edmonds Green. He says he hasn't shown me anything. And I'd drop in for Ness uh, on Saturday. And Peter says he's not been impressed by Reg either. Are you in a position where you'd, we'd want to change him, Lewis, or that back line? I'm not aware of like Heck being ready to come back yet. So, you know, I thought Jones has been good over the last few weeks. Obviously, Reg can play there or in the midfield. He's been switched a few times. But, I mean, is, is there a place in, in your sides for Romani Edmonds-Green? It's difficult, isn't it? Because, I mean, the back line is our is our bigger weakness, I think, throughout the season. So, I don't really look on the bench. I mean, was it Gillespie was on the bench on Saturday? I mean, he's not had the best start to his Charlton career either. So, I think really we're kind of clutching it straws a little bit because you know these players may come good in time I think the problem is we've signed them when we're in a horrific run and we need them to be good right this very second um and it's just that's just not how it's going to work but for me I think if I was to what between you know for, for me it's going to be between Ness Reg and and Gillespie as you said there Reg has that ability to step into midfield so maybe that sort of you know that that flux in position will, would give him the advantage over over the others um 
but I, I mean, I agree with the comments. I haven't, I haven't seen a huge amount from him so far. Um, that, that for me is, you know, I, I don't think he's improved as massively yet. Um, but I also think that maybe in a normal season where, where we weren't doing as bad as we are, maybe the new signings be given a little bit more grace. I think because we need the impact right this very second, maybe our sort of understanding and, and patience for them to bed in is, is obviously a little bit thinner. Yeah, I mean, Daniel's saying he thinks it's worth maintaining consistency at the back. There's no reason to change it right now. We need uh, st- stability. Yeah, basically, everyone's saying they want to see Carney um, starting. Yeah, Chris says it doesn't really matter who we play at the back. We leak goals. Because I was asked this question by the PO forecast last night, like, what's gone wrong? And I was like, well, it, everything we've tried to fix it hasn't worked as well. Changing formation, changing personnel, going for experience, going for youth, everything we've tried hasn't really worked to the back there, Tom. So that, that that poses the question, how how do we attack Saturday? And I think it's probably fairly obvious, actually, the answer. We attack it the same way we attack the Bolton game. So you go out and play and just accept that you're probably going to concede a couple as well. You know, that, that hasn't been fixed overnight and it doesn't look like it will be. So you have to go out, especially as the home side, and play your game. Yeah, I remember probably five or six games into the season, maybe a little bit more, and you were asking us the question regularly on this show, like, what do you do to fix this leaky defence? And after about 10 or 15 games, you just gave up because, because there was no answer, was there? We tried everything by then. So, And I think we were saying it then, you know, we were saying, look, whilst we've got the defence we have, we're lucky to have somebody like Alfie because we're having to score two or three goals to win a game. I know we haven't won for, well, I don't even remember, but now we're having to score two or three, game, uh, three goals just to, to draw a game. So, yeah, play to your strengths. If our strengths somehow are scoring goals, albeit when up until uh, last weekend, we hadn't scored an awful lot in games either, then let's just do that. Let's accept they're going to come at us and they're probably going to score when they've got the likes of Colby Bishop and, and Pack, And we just go up the other end and try and score more than them and make it a bit of a basketball game. It's going to be, an, you'd imagine, an entertaining game. We said there's been goals in this fixture in the past. I don't see us trying to shut up shop and, and protect it because it's just not going to work. So a little bit of a ding-dong with them might be quite entertaining. and. Going back to Chris's point right at the start of the show around kind of it being a free hit, which I know we kind of discussed what that means. You know, let's just go out and play with no fear. And I, I think that's something we can all see Jones has instilled in this side. He's just said, look, go and play your game. And our game is being rubbish at the back and a little bit better up front. So the defenders are, are kind of living up to that. But um, yeah, I can't see this being the start of the clean sheets. But if it is, then then lovely. But um, yeah, let's just try and go out and score score one more than them and for the last couple of games we've had the Anike factor and last 10-15 minutes that could play a huge part. Yeah I mean one one element we can't control before Saturday is the fact that we could we could be in the bottom four sat, uh, come Saturday morning because I think it's Cheltenham playing Friday night I think it's away at Wigan um, but I mean so l- l- assuming they don't win and we still remain out of the bottom four I mean because of we because we do have this this tough couple of fixtures just, just lastly Lewis how big will it be for us psychologically if we can get through these two games without dropping into that into that bottom four because I think going into it would, would set a lot of alarm bells ringing for everybody even if we're only out of it because teams have games in hand at the moment I think seeing our name below that line would be very difficult to take which is another reason why even though again free hit it would be great to get something Saturday just so that doesn't happen yeah 100% I, I think as soon as you fall below that line I think everyone's mentality shifts and and everyone's confidence takes that massive knock because when you're in you're in uh, as I said earlier like at the moment if you ended the season right this second we'd be out of it by by a point and that's that that's fine 
the problem is when you're in there, it's it's an uphill struggle to get out of it because you're constantly chasing. I think, you know, if we if we can get a positive solution out of out of Wigan Cheltenham tomorrow, if if that result goes the way we want and we remain out of it before the Pompey game on Saturday, you know, we try and get something Saturday and we win. That that puts us four clear of Cheltenham. You know, take away the games in hand, puts us four clear of them, which that is more than more than you know, even three points you feel like oh it's only one game. When you get beyond the three, like the mentality shifts the other way. So if we can get something out of Pompey and the results go the right way tomorrow, that'll be good for mentality. Go into the Derby game with a bit of confidence, try and get something up there. That will be a tough trip, obviously, but I don't really think Derby were the, ba- the best side we've played this season, considering where they are in the league. I was really surprised. Um, I'm fairly confident we can get something out of both of these games. And then we run into this, you know, we start taking on this run where that's going to be our opportunity. And I think it's really important that we we hit that run outside of that bottom four, because that gives us that little nudge ahead of everybody else. I think as soon as you fall in, that's when you start chasing your tail. And I think that's when when confidence and character becomes a real question. And they're two things that I think we've struggled with this season. So we need to do everything to stay above that line. You know, obviously we don't want to be there at the end of the season, but we don't want to be in there at all. Because I, I think then you're questioning the squad's character and, and, and strength to get out of that position. And that's something that we've criticised the squad for numerous times over the season. Yeah, I'm fairly confident, though, when we got relegated from the Championship last time, there were only two match days where we were in the bottom four, which was the last one, uh, and the last one before COVID. So when there was discussion about if they might descend the league now, we could, we would have gone down as well. Uh, so staying out of it doesn't help either, of course. <laughs> right, we've run out of time. Really good point by Peter uh, in the uh, chat. It says, could the yellow card peril become a factor? Both uh, Dobson and Lloyd-Jones uh, just one booking away from a two-match ban. So it'll be interesting to see how they play. I think they've got about two free games they've got to get through before they do that. So it'll be interesting to see if that affects them. Right, we have run out of time. Uh, massive thank you to everyone who's joined us uh, in the live stream uh, today or caught up via the podcast afterwards. So uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, like I said the other day, we're over 1,500 uh, subscribers now. I'd like to get to 2,000 sooner rather than later. So if you're watching and haven't subscribed, just press the little subscribe button underneath the video uh, right now and do the same on your podcast app as well. So massive thanks to everyone who's tuned in. Uh, massive thanks to Freddie from PO Forecast uh, who joined us uh, on the show as well. Good to speak to you, Tom and Lewis as well. Thanks for joining me. Cheers, Cheers gents. So I'm Louis Mendes. This has been Charlton Liar, sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. We'll be back on Sunday morning to look back at the game against Portsmouth and ahead to Tuesday's trip uh, to Derby. That'll be 10am on YouTube. We shall see you guys then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.